All right, this is the Late Life Archive. I'm Ty Besh, your host. Um, I'm going to talk about Uncle Big today. Episode one is going to be Uncle Big, a man that I interviewed in Oklahoma in the middle of nowhere, somewhere south of Tulsa. Um, he lives, he lives uh, in a cute little apartment next to a park, next to a school, um, not too far actually where he went um, to elementary school, he told me in his interview. And uh, we talked for hours, I think about two. And um, he's a very interesting man. So today I'm going to uh, share with you a little bit of um, what I took from the interview and some stuff that, uh, that I learned as well. So Uncle Big um, is actually a, uh, a family friend, you could say. Um, two guys that I went to high school with in Michigan. Um, this is their uncle, you know, their dad's brother. And um, they would visit him very often in Oklahoma. He would come to Michigan a lot. Um, and uh, they always would share these stories about him, which I was impressed because it seems that anytime they were around him, they would ask him or he would share things and they would just listen. And uh, I could tell throughout the years, there was like three or four stories that he would always repeat. Um, and uh, they were probably his favorites to tell people. And this is what they would tell me. And when I had the idea for this project, um, I was going to Oklahoma to visit my family in Tulsa. And he was only about an hour and 15 minutes away, south. And so I, I went to my friends and I was like, hey, I want him to be the first. And they were like, absolutely. He would probably love to tell you stories. Um, of course, two hours later, that was very true. I'm pretty sure I, I cut it off. So um, yes, I was in his apartment with him and uh, right away he started sharing stories. And so um, I want to tell you guys a little bit about um, what I took from that and some stuff I've learned as well. Um, specifically being, um, this is a very well-traveled man. Um, which I kind of identify with because I uh, strive to be as well, uh, simply for um, learning from other people, right? Um, and from what he told me, he's born in Oklahoma in this small town that he was now back in living, and um, he had gone to Florida. He had gone to California. He, he had lived, these are, these are places he's lived, uh, Michigan, and, um, and I guess the first thing I'll share with you is he traveled uh, all over the place in between. And he even came here to Tucson, where I am now recording this podcast, where my neighbor is playing uh, beautifully, as always, uh, her violin. Um, and he found his way here through Route 66, like many other people did in those days. Um, but what he did was he bought a motorcycle <laughs> and and just hopped on Route 66 and just drove until he got tired or bored. And he, he told me that he would stop in, in towns and he would just stay for three, four days, sometimes a week. Um, and a lot of the time, uh, he would stop at like little rest stops or places for truckers where, you know, where there's nice bars and restaurants for them to all mingle at and, and party and stuff. And, and uh, he was telling me it, it got pretty wild. He used the word wild very often. Um, and, uh, he said it got pretty, pretty wild in these places. And he, he met a lot of women and, and, uh, he drank a lot and it sounded like he had a ton of fun. Um, and this was just him, uh, having been out, um, in, in different parts of the country and him trying to get back to, um, I believe it was Oklahoma at the time. Maybe it was Michigan. Um, he was just trying to get back. And so he was like, well, 
I'll just get a motorcycle and go back that way. Um, very adventurous soul. And um, I definitely identify with that. It kind of reminds me of when um, I was in Vietnam on a motorcycle. Uh, for one month, I just drove around the mountains and all those back roads. Beautiful. Very easy to do. Highly recommend. Um, just the sights are unbelievable. And you get to stop in the small towns, which, you know, to help the whole, like, tourism thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, and he, he spoke of Tucson pretty highly, which surprised me. I had no idea he ever stopped in Tucson. And Tucson was actually where he told me he met swingers. And the story goes, um, they actually gave him a necklace and he just thought they were being nice. They hadn't approached him yet in that way. Um, but, uh, he, he could tell something was a little off about them. These, these, these kids in Tucson he was hanging out with. And he said that everyone was so fashionable everywhere he went Everyone was just so well-dressed and just so interestingly dressed, um, which is fair. You know, Tucson's always been that kind of hip Western town. Um, well, after the whole, you know, Hollywood cowboy thing. Um, but uh, they, these two people um, who he had a weird inkling about gave him a necklace. And uh, nothing happened with them sexually. <laughs> but uh, he moved on. Uh, in Arizona. And then he found out the hard way that what he was wearing was a necklace that identified him as a swinger. <laughs> so he was approached by someone and they thought, you know, he was game. So, uh, what he, what he shared with me was immediately, um, he went to the pawn shop and got, I think he said a thousand dollars for it. So this necklace, um, you know, who knows if this number has changed over the course of the year in his memory, but it just sounds like it was worth a lot of money. So, Good for him. Um, but he, he had that adventurous side to him, um, and that brought him to Michigan as well because of family. Um, he first went to uh, Florida to um, to be with his brother, and he told me that they uh, would hunt wild pigs there. They would catch them by hand. They would catch snakes and sell them for their skin. Um, they would do a lot of fishing. Uh, they would... Uh, run into gators all the time and, and, and fucking wrestle with gators. It, just incredible stuff. Um, it sounds like he had a great time in Florida. Uh, and then California. He was there for the Beach Boys. He was there for the Supremes when they came over from Detroit. Um, it sounds like he had just an incredible time traveling um, during this part of, uh, of history where things were a little bit different. <laughs> and music was incredible uh, and uh, very easy to enjoy on the beach. So uh, probably for free. Um, then he would, made his way to Michigan. This is this is my connection with him, the Michigan connection. And sure enough, he was working in a factory in Detroit, living um, on 8 Mile. Um, and he was there for the Detroit riots. He was there for the riots, which... Um, that's just fascinating to think about um, what that must have been like to see. He said he'd have to go to work every day during the riots. They had security um, to help them get in and out um, safely. Then, then they were on their own to get home and then back the next day. Um, he, he mentioned to me that it was just the craziest thing he's ever seen um, in terms of people breaking things, fires everywhere, just the sirens and the screams and uh, the fighting – all of it, he said, was just uh, 
the most unbelievable thing he he never thought he would experience um which makes sense um he was there for the riots and then <laughs> i kid you not this is what got him into which i i knew him uh, to be an asphalt guy uh, a very strong asphalt guy um because one of the stories is is that he carried a, a pool table um up the stairs or i'm sorry down the stairs by himself um in someone's house uh, a regular size pool table um and so and and other stories about how he would like uh lift giant things of asphalt or concrete out of trucks and and flip um you know those those little uh what are those things called rollers you know the the things that flatten the asphalt he would flip those over when like i guess one time it fell into a ditch he was saying and he flipped it over <laughs> those things weigh a ton literally um but uh, yeah, because of the Detroit riots, he said, I'm done with this situation. And then he started doing asphalt um, with his brother, you know, outside of Detroit. That's how he got into asphalt, because of the Detroit riots. Um, stories like that were so cool. Um, but the, the, the reason he was uh, so strong and burly, um, he was telling me when he was young, he grew up playing football. And he was on the high school football team, the varsity football team, when he was in junior high. It was him and three other friends of his that were just massive, that were just so big and not necessarily strong, just had big bodies. And this is when he realized that he needed to be strong. Um, there's a funny story he told me um, at football practice. He said they were really mean guys back in the day and they would chew tobacco during practice and spit on you and stuff. And, uh, you know, kind of like initiation, I'm assuming, for him with the older kids. Um, and he said... Uh, after one practice, he realized all these kids were just super tough. He was like, I got to get strong. Like, I'm big, but I got to get strong. And he would just carry, um, like, bags of, of just, like, weight up and down a hill. And he would run for 12 miles a day. Like, so he was kind of a mix of, like, a cross-country runner and a weightlifter. Um, so that kind of gives you an idea of how uh, interesting and special this guy was. Um but uh, yeah, and then he actually went on to to uh, to play for the the Oklahoma football team, University of Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah, interesting, right? Um, different times back then. He had no goals um, for going that far with it or playing the NFL. Um, it sounded to me, after this two hours of of digging into his life, like he just wanted to have different experiences, and um, I get that, and that was really cool to hear. Um, it, what what interesting uh, in, interested me the most, uh, and I'll finish with this, um, was his relationship with women romantically. Um, this is something I think we all go through a stage of struggling with. Like, you know, do do I date someone? Do I not date someone? Do I date a bunch of people at the same time? Like, do I get married or should I be working towards that? Or, or do I stay single forever? You know, I'm sure we've all had that thought. Um, I asked him because a few of the stories, uh, there was always women involved. And I, I heard this from his, uh, well, from my friends, um, that uh, they would always say, like, he always had a girl. Um, and they always heard stories about him, you know, being with a, with a gal. Um, and, and so I asked him, I was like, you know, whatever happened to any of these girls? Like, did were you with them for a while? Or did you ever get married or anything pan out? And and he said something to me. And, and I could tell in his eyes, like, he, he was really reflecting on it. And, and he basically said, you know, there were a few w women that I was with for a long time and I had a, and I had a lot of fun with. Um, 
but some things just pan out differently and some things don't work out. Um, and that's how he said it, uh, almost verbatim. And um, that, that, that struck me a little bit. Um, this guy who I so identify with because of his adventurous side, who just wants to experience life anywhere, anytime, um, open to anything, and just, just a fun dude. Um, never, never settled down. Um, he is single to this day in Oklahoma, just chilling, making art. He also does that. I forgot to mention that. Um, he is an artist. Um, and he gave me a gift when I left, which is really cool. It was um, uh, like horns from a deer that he had that he had hunted. Um, and then he uh, did some like metal working thing to make a mask. And so the horns were coming out of this metal mask. Um, it was really cool. I still have it uh, to this day because it was such a special interview for me um, just because of how much he shared. Uh, deeply with me. Um, really cool guy. Uh, all of those things, um, they they will stick with me. And I'm so glad that I got to hear them and that the family gets to have this video. And so they can then look back on this two-hour interview of just him extravagantly explaining all of these beautiful stories um, to me. And then, of course, to them and hopefully their, uh, their future, future generations. Um, that sounds un Uncle Big. Middle of nowhere. I forgot what the town was called. Oklahoma, south of Tulsa. Um, that was 2017, I believe. Uh, yes. I think it was late uh, 2017. Um, that That's all I got for Uncle Big. Uh, I hope you guys took something from that. Um, we'll try to make it to... 15 minutes um so the the next interviews are going to be the business side of the late life archive um they are going to be me uh pushing into uh retirement homes people in tucson um uh, that have family members that want to share stories um and still can uh thankfully and so uh this is the business part of it this is people that i'm going to come across um, that are uh, that are now under the service of the late life archive um, and so we'll see where it goes I'm really excited um, and I think Tucson is an incredible place to uh, to start this project so you know as much as I do for episode uh, two um, who it will be what they will have said I don't know we'll see I'm very excited and I hope you guys listen next time thanks <laughs> <laughs>